1: Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown and through adaptable problem solving we do just that learn more at marines.com The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily
2: We are just 1 month away from the World Cup in Qatar but who will be the England players on the plane to the Middle East we'll find out soon enough with Gareth Southgate set to construct a provisional 55-man squad this week ahead of the final shortlist. The England boss has been taking in the action in the Premier League, but we've got games coming faster than government ministers at the moment, and that takes some doing, trust me. Man United magnificent against Spurs midweek. Can they charge into Chelsea in the same way on Saturday? Ronaldo sulked as he was again an unused substitute. He might be one of the best players ever, but how much of an issue is his attitude becoming now? This is the Dugout, the Premier League podcast featuring former top flight professionals. And to help me find the answers to those questions today, we've got former Leicester midfielder and ex leeds United assistant Steve Thompson. How's it going, Steve?
0: All very well at the moment, yeah, going out watching a lot of the games, watching Sky, so I've just got rid of the missus out of the lounge, so all's good at the moment.
2: (laughs) Sounds good to me, get your feet up, might even crack open a cold beer as well while you're at it. I'm not going to push it, it.
0: I'm not going to push it.
2: (laughs) And also with us, someone who used to represent the Three Lions and has done so at a World Cup as well, former Everton winger Trevor Stephen. How are you doing Trevor? Good Niall,
3: Uh, yeah, all in good form this morning, it's chucking it down where I'm living, but apart from that... We're all, we're all okay. Got a bit of soap taking the dogs out for the walk this morning, but I've dried out now, so let's crack on.
2: <laughs> what, what breed are the dogs you've got, mate? What, what are you looking after at the French, moment? French Bulldogs. Oh, very nice very nice and speaking of the England squad I think you've still got a shout of making that 55 man squad haven't you I can't be far off can I (laughs) I think I can't be far (laughs) off either (laughs) Um, we'll get stuck into that a little bit later on but first let's look ahead to this weekend's Premier League fixtures of course we've had a near enough full suite of midweek matches in the Premier League aside from Arsenal versus Manchester City that game's been postponed because Arsenal were playing in Europa League action against PSV Eindhoven But we'll look ahead to the weekend's games for now. And we'll start at Stamford Bridge, where Chelsea welcome Manchester United. It's a 5.30pm kick-off on Saturday. I thought, Steve, that Man United were exceptional against Tottenham. They've beaten Spurs, Arsenal and Liverpool at Old Trafford this season in the Premier League. However, a slightly different test away from home against Chelsea. Everyone was very impressed with that performance from Eric Ten Hag's side. Do you think they can keep up that intensity away at Chelsea on Saturday?
0: Yeah, they're in a great reign of form at the moment. You know, like say they're going into the game with full of confidence. I think it, we touched on the Ronaldo thing at the moment that that probably marred it a little bit last night. But if you look at the, the the goal attempt, I think they had twenty-eight goal attempts against Spurs last night. So they've obviously they've got they've got to make sure that they they keep these wins coming because. Even although they're at the so early stage of the season, you can't afford to give silly points where you when you're dropping, when you're having draws or you're losing, because you want to keep up there in the top four and they're in a rich fame form at the moment. He seems to be settling with his teams, but you know, Graham Potter's come in at Chelsea, he's got a system that he, he likes, that you know the, the, he's it'll take a little bit of time for the players to bed themselves in. They had a nil nil draw against Uh, Brentford but you know 66% possession 14 goal attempts so I think it's work in progress with Graham Potter and I'm sure he'll get them going
2: for me, with Manchester United, Trevor, it's been a case of can they just score a goal? Because against Ammonia Nicosia in the Europa League, they had to leave it till the 94th minute. They had 34 shots on goal. Tomo's just read the stats from the Spurs game, and Marcus Rashford could have had three goals in the first half, let alone throughout the game. So eventually they got a bit of luck through Fred, a deflected goal, and then, of course, Fernandez with a decent finish. But it just feels like it is beginning to come together for Manchester United. And. You know, if they get a result away at Chelsea to back up a result at Spurs, that was certainly, as as Tomo says, build that confidence. Yeah, I, I mean, for me,
3: Manchester United have um, not been good to watch right over the last few years, and even uh, this season, it's been a difficult watch. I'm, you know, I've got no um, connection with Manchester United, but if I was a Man United fan. It's been a big, huge drop-off from the kind of football that they've watched over the years in in recent times. So, what last night showed was that the players can uh, and have grown up a little bit, as far as being Man United players are concerned. um, There was a a belief and an intensity about how they uh, went into the game, literally from the first whistle. And they fancy themselves against Spurs, given, you know, the, the record that they've got against them in recent times. But they need to, they've they needed to prove it to themselves, these players. And I think they're starting to do that. And that belief is now, it was evident last night. Um, but it has been inconsistent this season under Ten Hag. There's some highs against some of the stronger teams, but some lows against teams that they should be uh, dominating and getting results but but last night it was it felt like a bit of a um the the, the giving birth to a new era right because these younger players that are, are being brought into the into the side now and have been given uh, that bit of belief in themselves uh looked the part last night uh, i know they, they had some you know a great performance particularly from bruno fernandes last night um of which I've started to understand. I'd listened to his interview after the game and I started to understand his mentality about how he approaches the game. It was quite a good interview and it's not all about him, right? It's about sacrificing himself as well for for the other players in the team. And it was good to hear this teamwork ethic coming through mm. because it seems, seems it has seemed to me like a lot of individuals in that club. Last night, they looked... They looked solid and looked as if they were all on the same page. Yeah. So if they can continue it, um, at least the level of performance, then that's that's a step forward because then you're starting to get consistency. But going to, going to Chelsea now because they've got that the wind in their sails. Apart from, um, you know, getting just having a draw at Brentford the other night, they're starting to look as if they're they're becoming like a real mobile unit as well. Uh, under Graham Potter, so it's it's going to be close, um, uh, and but United have to take that confidence level to Stamford Bridge. They're in with a chance of the three points here. Yeah.
2: Speaking of individuals at Manchester United, we will come on to Ronaldo a little bit later on in the podcast. But I've been lucky enough to speak with Bruno Fernandes a few times, and. Um tactically, he speaks very well. He's such a good understanding of the game. And you hear about people that have football brains. He's certainly one of those people that, that can see the game in a certain way. So I'm quite glad for him that he's come back to the form that he showed when he first arrived at Manchester United. And talking of just arriving somewhere, Tomo, Graham Potter, as Trevor says, he's not been in the building very long at Chelsea. Um, still unbeaten, though, as the new Chelsea manager. Drew 0-0 away at Brentford midweek it still feels like they're just waiting to click. So from your experience, how long does that sometimes take to, to get right as a coaching group when you're just waiting for something to click?
0: I think, like you say, you know, you look at the Brentford one, they beat Villa, they beat Milan, beat Wolves. Graham Potter comes in, he, he likes the 3-4-2-1 system. Um, I think good players, Trevor will know he's played at the highest level. Good players can take the formations to another level. Um, he'll, he'll be looking at his squad. You know, he, he might go 3-5-2. The good players can adapt to different scenarios, different games and all that. So I think he'll, he'll come in there, he'll look at the players. There might be one or two surprises who go and play in these different positions for him. But he'll keep his same work ethos there. He'll he'll drip-feed uh, his system, what he expects. I think the, the thing about him, when you're dealing with these good players... The, the expectations from their positions and what they can bring to the table. And it, it, a lot of the time, it's the man management with these top-class players. And I think that's what he's, he looks like. He's got a good management, a good uh, work ethic around him. And, you know, I think the good players, they'll take it up as soon as you think, you know, they're unbeaten. So it's still a great start. You'd, you'd, you'd expect them to beat Brentford, not disrespecting Brentford, but it, it's a work in progress. But I don't think it'll take it long before they, they grasp what... Different scenarios, different positions, and what the expectations are for him. So I think it's it's work in progress, but won't be long. I
3: I really do like Graham Potter, and what I've noticed already is uh, he's improved players, or he's got players to believe in themselves. You know, particularly Conor Gallagher, I think is is now coming through. Mason Mount has found himself again under Graham Potter, and I I don't know if that would have happened, um, you know, you know, just with time passing, but. He's put his arm around them and the man management side uh, has shone through there. And I think he's done that brilliantly. And and the great managers, you know, talking about Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp, they're particularly well known for improving players, you know, and how they bring up the fulfilment of of, of their talents. And I can see that Graham Potter has definitely got the imagination of these younger players there, that if they do... um, well he will get the chance and you know you'll not just be thrown in and then taken out you'll stick with you because he puts you in because he believes in you so that's pretty impressive again I've been impressed uh, by him generally how he's pretty well seamlessly gone into a huge job um, that you know a a world-renowned manager has vacated and he's come in and he might have a You know, a doubt about himself in an environment like that, but he hasn't shown it whatsoever. He's got you know a nice new haircut, and you know <laughs> he you can know. afford
2: one. Yeah. <laughs> well, he said he's been getting haircuts off the same barber that all the lads yeah. get their hair done on, and oh, it's cost he's... him a fair few extra quid than he was yeah. hoping for. He's changed. He's <laughs> changed a little bit, but um, I think you're right with what you say. You think about players like Ben White, who was sold to Arsenal for fifty million, Kukurea, who was actually sold to Chelsea before Potter went there. I think you're right, Trevor, about players that he's certainly come in and improved. So we'll find out who's the better side. Between Chelsea and Manchester United, half five on Saturday. Moving on to talk about Arsenal now, who will probably be chomping at the bit to get back into Premier League action. Of course, Europa League game against PSV Eindhoven, uh, who are managed by Ruud van Nistelrooy, incidentally. So that's always a a fun one uh, on Thursday night. They're away at Southampton, who got a big win themselves um, midweek against Bournemouth. Rumours were swirling. Steve, that Ralph Hasenhürtl was on the brink of being sacked, but yet they managed to get the win. So do you expect them to make it tough for Arsenal this weekend? They're a side that although they're down in the bottom reaches of the table, they're not exactly easy to beat at times, Southampton.
0: No, there's no easy games in the Premiership. You know, they'll be fighting for their life. That's their first win in 50 days, Southampton. So you know, and he's the fourth longest serving manager in the Premiership. So, it, but if you look at the the recent results, you know, the it's drawn, lost, 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 lost. So, it, it's it's they're not in a rich vein of form at the moment. You've got Jay Adams, Jay Adams, who's got four. He's he will be under pressure. There's no doubt about that because, like I say, if you look at them results. You know, the, the, there's only one way you're going to go in that league at the moment if you've got that sort of form and that. But, you know, you've got Ward Prowse, Ainsley Niles, Shea, Adam, Adam Armstrong. You've got to... I think the big thing about these teams at the bottom, they've got to add goals to the game. You know, the, the strikers have got to start scoring from... You know, there's many times when you go around, these, everyone wants this double-figure striker. You know, they're under the caution. Strikers can... Do something absolutely brilliant and, and make a nil-nil into a one-one. So it will be tough for Arsenal. Um, you know they're they, they flying high at the moment, but I think with the manager, the pressure he's under, there, the players have got to step up to it because they're in a they're in a dogfight at the moment.
2: Yeah, it does feel Trevor like if it isn't Shea Adams scoring goals for Southampton, then who is? You know, maybe Ward Prowse from a free kick or something, but you can't be relying on genius like that every week. So you know, there's there's definitely troubles there.
3: Uh, undoubtedly, and Steve's right. Uh, you need to be scoring goals in the Premier League. Um, you know, possession doesn't win your football matches. Uh, good defenses, obviously, uh, give you that platform to to be um, competitive in any game. But you do need someone to put or several people to put the ball in the net. And as about calmness, I watched Everton last week at, at Spurs. And um I was in at the stadium and Everton should have been two-nil up at half time, uh two golden chances, uh, and didn't take them, end up losing two-nil. It's absolutely critical uh that you um have a good ratio uh, of goal attempts to goals scored in the Premier League, because that is it's a key element to survival. Um so that is a problem for them. Arsenal, I I've been so impressed with their, um how, how they've gone into this season i mean it's we we couldn't have forecast that at the the start of the season not you know particularly on the down of not making the Champions League last season.
2: Yeah. Do you know what it is for me, Trevor? It's the fact that when was the last time Arsenal were in the Champions League? I was trying to think earlier Mm. this week. I was thinking, when was the last time they were a Champions League club? And it's been a fair few years, you'd have to say. I mean, they've been through the end of the Wenger era, through Unai Emery, uh, and now into a couple of years into Mikel Arteta's tenure. Mm. And yet, you would never have predicted that as much as they would have liked to have been in the top four at this point of this season, hmm. for them to be at the moment yeah. called title contenders is, they, you know, it's, it's well, commendable.
3: If I'm if I'm in that group of players, uh, I'm just thinking about winning that match on Saturday. On Saturday, is it um, absolutely committed to that and believing that that's going to happen because that's what wins do for you. You start to get that level of belief that you're not thinking about anything other than winning the game. Um, And and you don't have to play your best football, but you have to be doing the things that have got you the results. And Arsenal have got themselves a a, a really good system now. They've got a very talented squad, maybe not as strong as some of the other contenders at the top end of the league. And that's possibly going to be the question mark as the season goes on. But they will be going to Southampton expecting to win it because they're looking at a side who are very inconsistent. Uh, in Southampton and, and Arsenal have been the epitome of consistency so far this season. So they should be going there feeling like their favourites and, and go and try and dominate that game and they would expect themselves to do it. So hard one for Southampton. I think their squad's not got the depth that's needed to be comfortable in the Premier League. I think they are going to be in that battle for, for the longer term um, and I don't see that they have enough to to topple arsenal in the form that they're in and again arteta i'm extremely impressed with him i've, I've watched that you know all or nothing series um very recently actually i've just been watching on my coffee breaks basically and and watching how he is developed as a, as a manager very very impressive um and there's no he doesn't waste words he's great at messaging and he seems to be very very good at man management and i think the results early this season I've shown all the players have bought into it, into that culture, which is probably taken from everybody he knows, including Wenger, but very much from Pep Guardiola when he's had his time at City. And there seems to be a lot of that echoing around, you know, the the dressing room at, uh, at the Emirates.
2: Yeah, big question is can they keep it up through the course of the season? We'll find out their latest challenges away at Southampton Sunday at 2 o'clock. And slightly later on Sunday evening, 4.30, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium hosts Newcastle United, who are the visitors. I thought Antonio Conte, Tomo, looked a little bit helpless on the touchline on Wednesday at Old Trafford. His side were thoroughly outplayed by Manchester United. But with a manager like Conte, you see what he's like on the sidelines. You expect some sort of reaction, but it's not going to get any easier Against a, a Newcastle side are in a good place themselves. So what are you expecting from this game?
0: To be honest, you like to say, when you he he he, he did five changes last night. You know, United had 28 shots. We mentioned that earlier on there. And I don't think you'll be afraid to make changes. Um, uh, you know, like I say last night, as well as United played, you you know, you were disappointed with um, with Spurs. And I'm sure one you'll expect a reaction and it, there might be one or two changes. Oh, Richarlison, you know, he's he's struggling with a calf at the moment. But you've got a rejuvenated Newcastle. You know, I think I looked at them, you know, they've got armor on, they've got Callum Wilson, Murphy, Linton, Longstaff, Maxim. One thing they've got, they've got pace up top that can hurt you. You know, and they're doing very well at the moment. Always a tough team to beat. You know, if you look at the results at the moment, they beat Everton, they drew United, beat Brentford, beat Fulham, beat Bournemouth. So, you know, that's a consistency that they didn't have last year. So it'll be another, another tough game for Spurs, this one. And, uh, you know, you're open as a manager that, you know, the Harry Canes, the Sons, they can get back to some sort of goal-scoring form because like I say, it's, it's a tough game at Newcastle, that one for him.
2: Yeah, this is one of the teams that if I was Antonio Conte, I absolutely would not have wanted to face off the back of a poor performance midweek, Trevor. I don't know what your take on the situation is because Newcastle, as we say, full of confidence at the moment. And if they really do want to gate crash the top six in the top eight and get into a European place, which is I'm sure what many people are dreaming of up in the North then a great chance to make a statement is by going and getting a result away at Spurs this weekend.
3: Yeah, I watched um, the game against Everton uh, last night, um, and they they weren't by any stretch at at their best. But they are difficult to beat under Eddie Howe, Uh, and I think he's brought brought in players um, who have settled in very quickly. I think Kieran Trippier coming into the club was absolutely perfect first Mm. addition. Uh, Who set he sets a standard and other players lift their standards when they're surrounded by you know really good players, really good pros. I think that was the starting point. But I've also seen uh, some of the other players. I thought Joe Willock last night was terrific. Right. Absolutely devastating um, uh, when he got on the ball. Um, and I hadn't seen that potential in him. Got into the penalty area a couple of times as well. Could, should have had maybe scored with a header. So Newcastle are definitely are looking at a different uh, horizon now as far as what their achievements are. Anyhow, it's done brilliantly. Um, You know, the Newcastle fans have not had much to shout about for for decades, never mind years. Uh, And and it's a whole new environment there. Um, Tottenham, I think, are almost, almost flattering to deceive a little bit because they do at times look... You know, really top four, strong, strong contenders. Do you think
2: the counter-attacking thing is working, Trevor? Because, I mean, they sat back and soaked up pressure, didn't they? But it didn't work against United. No, it didn't.
3: Um, They missed that aggression, you know, of Richarlison. Richarlison, to me, um, I was never convinced when he was at Everton because I wasn't quite sure what he's actually um, excellent at because he's playing for Brazil, right? So he's got to be excellent at something. Uh, other than just sort of tearing around, you know, um, sort of chasing stuff. But at Spurs, he seems to have found a real uh, niche, which is about spo- being a spoiler, being in people's faces, being aggressive. Uh, and, and they didn't really have that to support Son and Kane because they seem to be able to drop out of the game too easily for me at this moment in time. So you, you've got players behind, that. Like Benton Co, I thought, played quite well. Um, Hoiberg's always going to be the kind of to sort of stopper in there, uh, and Basuma didn't have the best of the best of evenings. So there, there seemed to be a lack of um, ammunition for Son and, and Kane. They seemed to have to go and try and make it up themselves, and they got lost in the game as well. Yeah. Uh, and Man United flourished from there. Um, but I, it was interesting to me as well after the Everton game. If you see Antonio Conte, this was last weekend, if you see celebrations after the result against Everton, it was like they'd qualified for the Champions League. It, mm-hmm. He was absolutely ecstatic, jumping on players. And he's gone on to mention that oh, we really struggle. as he did after the Man United game. Um, he said that we, we really struggled. Just look, we really struggle against the top, top teams. We can't get results. So he was almost relieved to get those points in the bag against Everton so they can have a bit of a free hit against Man United, which they didn't take. So mm. I'm just, trying, I may be overthinking it, but I'm just... No, no, you know, I, I totally, I'm, just I'm, no I'm inclined to agree. That, that Conte's got as well, um, and he was a bit lost. You know, I so said, what, what do I do? <laughs> you know, how do I yeah. turn this round? And he didn't
0: see... Do you know, do you know it's like you said, Trevor said then, and now that... You know, if you're going to play this counter-attacking style, you've got to you you've got to have pace. You've got to have pace in the flanks, pace up top. So then you've got an an outlet to. that, that That's you know, this is the, we'll, we'll go on to know you met Ronaldo later on when you see United. They've got pace on the flanks and they've got pace on the top. And if you're going to hit teams on the counter, I think sometimes it didn't work against United last night. And don't get me wrong, these are top top managers. Should you have a plan B? That if the counter is not working, to get on your front foot and going, I press them and try and get you into the game. Because if you look last night, it, the, mm. the attempts that United had, can you adapt, change your system to try and counter attack? What they, you know, if they're on top of you, you've got to surely have a plan B to say, right, this isn't working. We don't look like scoring. We're on our back foot. These are coming at us in droves. How can we get a breather f- from this? Because if not, mm. like say you go down two 0 don't look like scoring and it's a three points lost
2: yeah and I know they've got top forward players like Son and Kane who back, uh back to put chances away but um, it is quite, a, I guess, a risky strategy in some ways, uh, inviting a team with the attacking talent of Manchester United just to come and attack you. But how will Antonio Conte approach things against Newcastle United? We'll find out this weekend. It's a half four kickoff on Sunday. That rounds off the weekend's Premier League fixtures. But there are some other really interesting games that we haven't touched upon today, like Wolves against Leicester. That looks massive, doesn't it? Leeds, Fulham, Aston Villa, Brentford, and Manchester City, Brighton, Everton, Crystal Palace and a big one for Nottingham Forest as they all will be throughout the course of the rest of the season as they welcome Liverpool to the city ground. Right, we'll draw a line under the previews on today's episode of The Dugout and we'll press on now towards England as the World Cup is just one month away and Gareth Southgate this week has been selecting a provisional squad of who he's going to be taking to the Middle East, a provisional squad of 55 players. We'll talk about it after this.
1: The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily Football's social daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.
2: Welcome back. This is the dugout. The podcast featuring former Premier League professionals Steve Thompson and Trevor Stephen are alongside me. And England are gearing up for the World Cup in Qatar, 2022's showpiece event, taking place in the winter. A first ever winter World Cup. A first ever. World Cup in the Middle East, and for me, the first time I've ever heard of an England manager choosing fifty-five players in a provisional squad. I guess Trevor, the first question is why so many players? Does anyone know the answer to that question?
3: No, I can't. I've been thinking about it, and I can't find any rationale to that at all. I don't suppose that he's actually released the reason for it. Uh, certainly, I haven't read anything. Um, I find it quite bizarre. Uh, I don't know what that means, to be quite honest with you. Um,
2: I think it might be something to do with that's the maximum FIFA will allow you to submit to them. So he has to submit the squad to FIFA by the end of the week. And I guess it's to do with things like, you see these things that come out like, you know, the sticker books that the kids do. Yeah. So all the players yeah. need to get their photos done and and just all of that sort of thing. Yeah, I guess you're probably it's an right. admin sort of thing.
3: You're probably right. It's, it's um, to satisfy uh, the admin uh, and all of the worst case scenarios that could possibly happen between now and when the England squad take off for Qatar, that he, he's got to name the players that could potentially be going to the World Cup, mm-hmm. uh, even if it's, you know, so your number 53, 54, 55 on that list where you're not going to the World Cup uh, unless there's like catastrophic injuries somewhere, you know, it's just not going to happen. So, yeah, I would imagine that 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 is the reason for it mm. um i i don't think it's i don't think it's a good thing for for the players i don't think it brings anything uh footballing wise i mean what what does a player get out of that who's maybe quite a long long way off realistically well
2: I mean a good example would be Eberi Eze at Crystal Palace who's been revealed as being one of the players in the 55 man shortlist but for all we know we we know Southgate loves a fullback he might have taken 32 fullbacks and (laughs) the rest of us might be other players Um, but what we're going to try and do now we're going to try and challenge ourselves to whittle it down the squad will be reduced to 26 that's the number that will be going to Qatar but I want us to try and decide now who our start in 11 will be against Iran as England kick off their World Cup group on the 21st of November. So almost exactly four weeks to the day. Um, the first thing I think we should mention though is that some of the players that are injured will be included in this 55-man squad. So Phillips will be in there. Rhys James and Kyle Walker though, talking of full Steve, are the two big names that might not be available. So, first of all, what do you make of that? How much of a blow is it that Rhys James and Kyle Walker might not be available during the World Cup?
0: Well, Rhys James obviously got his knee injury. Kyle Walker's got a muscle one. I think they're going to leave it as long as he can. I think sometimes mm-hmm. you don't know how bad the injury is, do you? You know, you only little snippets from, from the club. You know, Kyle Walker's 32, so but he's still got fantastic pace. Um, Rhys James, I watched him and... When he was at Wigan, and you could tell he had unbelievable potential, and he's grown into himself. He's he's going to be a. Uh, well, mm. I think they're going to be a big loss for England, both for them too. There, I know we've got options, and we mentioned that there's going to be a fifty-five man squad. Um, and Trevor touched on it there. You know, it's a ridiculous number. You, you know, sometimes that you're in that squad but you've no chance unless there's injuries or there's a bad form that so I think them two will I think if they were fit they would both be in the squad for definite Um, but but we have got options in them positions as well
2: Yeah certainly have right let's go through it then and start with formation are we going for a three at the back Trevor do you think that's what Southgate will go for Um, Yeah I'd rather a four personally as a fan but I think I think he'll play a three
3: uh, I'd prefer a four to be honest with you but uh, I think you'll go three, and uh, unfortunately, it's still it's going to throw up every time anyone talks about an England team at this moment in time. Harry Maguire Um Gareth has utmost faith in, in Harry, and um, he's been has been a great player over the over the years for uh, for England, but this situation that he's in at Manchester United now. Has got to be. A, there's got to be question marks of, on, on how fit and ready he can be for mm. the, you know, the, the highest uh, of levels in the professional game. Mm.
2: Some arguments would be that when he played in the Euros so well for England, he had just come off the back of an injury where he'd missed a number of months for United. He missed the Europa League final, and then he came straight back in. His first game back after injury was for England. In a tournament, and he played very, very well. I guess you could kind of angle the same thing with Kyle Walker. You know, if he doesn't play a game for Man City before the tournament, and his first game is the first game of the tournament against the Iran in a month's time, it's not something Southgate hasn't done before. So maybe that might be part of his thinking. Yeah,
3: but but part of that was Harry. Harry was playing well. He was in a true. That's you know, very he, true. He was in a in good form. So there was no question marks. Um, so everybody was keen to get him back. But that's not the case now. It's just.
0: You know how, how do you get
3: any consistency? You know when the, when the key moments happen in, in the key games, as they will, uh, is he going to be absolutely confident and um, uh, and capable of, of dealing with the situations like he, we would know that he can and has done in the past? Um, so I I I wouldn't go to go though that he will be a starter for England. You know, um, and in a in a three, and ideally, I'd have uh, John Stones, and I would have uh, Kyle Walker. Um That would be the three at the, the back for me. Um It's you know, I, again, I, I don't, I'm not a great fan of the back three, so I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit reluctant to say this is what I would like to play. I'd rather play <laughs> back four, but. Um, it, it, it is it is what it is. But for what we've got as centre-backs, I'd go that way.
2: Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. I think I'm going to put Walker in here, Tomo, and I'm going to put Stones in because I'm inclined to agree with, with Trevor. So unless you've got any objections to that, I think that's a, a unanimous decision almost. Yeah. So Do you know,
0: Trevor touched on like Ari Maguire there. It's like the spotlights on the lad all the time. But, the, but the, the the problem is at the moment, every mistake that he seems to make, he gets punished for at the moment mm. and it costs us a goal. And that puts more pressure on him because you know what the media like, you know what the press like. They absolutely lambast you for these mistakes. And, that. and I feel for the lad sometimes because like Trevor said, he is a good player, but he's, he's just got to try and get that form back. Because every mistake you see... He's getting highlighted, yeah. you know? And, and even that, and the stuff it. he
2: doesn't do like. There was a, a moment where he was photographed on the subs bench smiling after United yeah. were losing 1-0. And it's almost like he got hammered for that as well. He can't do anything right at the moment. I feel yeah. a bit sorry for him sometimes.
0: Are, are we are we going with Jordan Pickford for keeper?
2: Yeah, I was just going to come on to that. Our choice is Pickford, Pope, Ramsdale, uh, Henderson. I mean, I think Pickford, well, picks himself really. He's not really let England down, has he? So would you go for Pickford as well, Steve?
0: Yeah, I've, I've, uh, we, we got him on loan when we had him at Preston and he's, for me, he's an old-fashioned keeper. He stays at the end shooting with the lads. You've got to get him off the training ground. He's mad as an atter at times. He's he's some of the stuff that he does, but he's such a likeable lad and it's great that you get your first-choice keeper staying behind with the strikers and you know that it's a good shot when he beats him. So, yeah, for me, Jordan Pickford
3: that madness that you talk about, Steve, does show itself every game for Everton. Right? For every game for Everton. But it doesn't it doesn't appear when he plays for England. He has a different psyche, and I, I can't quite understand that. That that it makes me a bit curious as to what's going on. Oh yeah. But for England, certainly, he he's he's proven that mm. someone have to be absolutely playing out of their skin for him to yeah. To be left out. Uh, he's um, as long as he's playing like he does for England as, and is as behaving on the field like an like an England player. Because at Everton, he does get me scratching my head sometimes. You know, you know? and um, as long as that is something that is well, it won't appear for England squad because he, he seems to have that different sort of mindset. Uh, but a, a fantastic. Um, Player. And he's also got great distribution, you know, and I think that's a key element that I would say he's is, is better than Ramsdale and better than Pope um, at distribution. Uh, certainly better than Pope. Ramsdale might think he's not bad at it, but I think Pickford is, is our best at that as well. And that's a key part of the game now.
2: Yeah. I agree. His kicking's excellent. So we've locked in Pickford in the sticks. We've locked in Walker. We've locked in Stones. We need to decide our third centre-back gents. There are some other options along with Harry Maguire like Joe Gomez, Tyrone Mings, Connor Cody, Ben White. Um, maybe in terms of strength and depth, this is one of the weaker areas of the England squad. Yeah. So if we were going to pick a third centre-half to, to start this game for England All against right. Iran... What, I'll, I'll, go, gonna...
3: I'll go first, right? <laughs> because <laughs> because I, I'm just going to... You know Neil Murray colors collars to the to the post here and uh, or to the wall. Uh, I'll, I'll go with Ben White. Right, I'm going okay. to go with Ben White. Um, I've seen, I've always liked him. I've thought he was cultured. He looks like an England player to me, uh, and I think this season in particular, uh, albeit that he has shown his capacity to play in that sort of right back position as well for Arsenal. I think he's he's matured uh, extremely well uh, and I love the idea again taking reference from um the the Arsenal documentary how he treats every training session like it is the last session he will ever play in do you know that attention to detail and focus that always impresses me um with a player who's who does that extra uh that extra every each and every day uh, and I think yeah I'd I'd be comfortable with that I would be comfortable uh, with with those three um, in in those positions. So I know I know Gomez might bring a bit of pace, extra pace into that, but I don't think he's I don't think he's the answer yet. Give him a bit more longer run in the Liverpool side, um, and and I could easily be convinced about Gomez. But I'll go with Ben White.
2: Any objections, Tomo? Or would you prefer someone else? <laughs>
0: can See where Trevor's coming from. I just went with Tyrone Mings just okay. for the left peg, just to give you that balance. Yeah, that left true. side, he's he's I know Villa not having the best season, but it, it, the, all the goals can't be his fault. But I just think that he's a big, strong presence. He's he's, he's got a good left peg. Can see all the, the different scenarios with the other players and the Gomez ben white but i just like that balance where you've got a left pegger on that side
2: oh it's a tough one that leaves me with the design of voice, which i'm gonna try and avoid i was hoping to avoid that um, right so but
3: well, this is basically this is it it's ben white or tyrone mings no come on let's hear it. Come
2: on, sir, put him on it, it come on is it is it is it is it too late to suggest conor cody I oh, maybe uh, <laughs> no um I think I might go with White just just because of the way Arsenal have started the season. And although he's played quite a few of the games at right back, I do think he's capable at centre-half as well. So I'll lock in Ben White there. So Pickford, Walker, Stones, White is our defence so far for England. It's time to choose some wing-backs. We'll go for a midfield four with two central players and two wide players. We've got choices here. Of course, we've got... Uh, Reese James is going to miss the World Cup with injury. I don't think he'll be playing against Iran. So we've got Trent Alexander-Arnold on one side, Luke Shaw on the other side, Chilwell, Trippier, James Justin at Leicester. We've got some choices. If you were to pick one for each side, left and right, Trevor, what would be your choice for for the first game of the World Cup?
3: It's very, 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 very tricky. Uh, All right, I'm just going to cut to the chase on this. I'm going to play Kieran Trippier on the right. And I'm going to play look Shaw on the left. I think I'm going to uh, agree uh, with you, Shaw. Uh, I
2: think Shaw at the moment is Southgate's preferred player, so I think that he he starts this game against Iran. He's he's in great form yeah. as well.
0: He looks like he's trimmed yeah, he down as well, yes, doesn't he? Yeah. He looks yeah. like he's he's got his spark back. You know, everyone said he was overweight last time, but when you see him now, he looks like he's got his his hunger and his desire back. Yeah.
2: Okay, so Shaw's in at left wing back. Trippier is someone who can provide delivery from the width. He can also. Take set pieces. I would definitely. I
3: would. I would start games with the Trippier, right? Um, and beyond that, I, I'm a fan of, mm. of Trent Alexander Arnold. But I, I would probably see him more in, 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 as a starting, not in the starting lineup. But if you know we're lacking um, some more forward thinking in a game, then I'll bring him on. You know, in that. In that role, but I would I would go with Trippier because I think, particularly, in the early stages of a World Cup when no one's got any no run of form, right? You're going in, you're going in pretty cold under that first game, and you need to be. You don't necessarily want to be showing all your cards in the first first forty five minutes. You want to be able to be steady, um, be controlled, and. Be tight. And there'll be nerves, won't there, yeah. Trevor? So you, you oh, yeah. absolutely, unbelievable. Because the world's watching. Mm. You know, the, the the England fans are watching. Every family up and down the country are are tuning in, and it's so so important. You don't get these opportunities as a player often, right? They're very very limited. So you've got that anxiety yourself that you're going to do, you know, yourself uh justice, and you're going to do you your. your, your um, your team proud and, and the fans proud. So there's a huge amount, and that first game's always, mm. always a, a, a tricky and Trippier's one. Trippier's you know, been because... to the World
2: Cup before, hasn't he? And actually scored in a in a semi final against Croatia. Many people will remember. So I think that's a good shout. Um, I think we're all agreed on Shore on the left. Would you agree with Trippier on the on the right side for a wing back, Tomo?
0: Yeah, like Trevor made a great point then that you know he's steady. You don't want to show your hands. I had Trent Alexander down here just because he's got great delivery, good legs. Mm. Um, but there's not a lot between them. You know, they 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 both bring different different attributes to the game. I like Trent Alexander, I like his delivery. I like you know he's, you know he's got a lot of assists for Liverpool. But you can say that with Trippier. You know, you know he's got set play delivery. He looks. I think Kieran Trippier looks more steady. Trent, you know, a, a bit more composure, and you need that in these first games that you you know, you don't want to go too gunno and leave everything open. So I can see the trippier one as well.
2: Yeah, defensively as well, some questions over Trent Alexander-Arnold. I think Trippier is probably a little bit more capable going back than as well as going forward. So I think that's a good shout, Kieran. Trippier, okay, midfielders, two centre-mids. Henderson, Bellingham, Rice. Calvin Phillips is injured, so I don't think it'll be him. Uh, Mason Mount in great form at the moment. And Ward-Prowse, obviously good value for a set-piece. Some good options there, Trevor. But for me, I think it has to be... Declan Rice for one and then a another between Bellingham or Mount or Henderson or whoever you want to pick. But are you agreed that Declan Rice has got to start this game?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Declan is um, is very much part of the furniture, isn't he now? And in, in, in the England team itself. So I think he's he's nailed on to be uh, uh, in in the midfield. Mason Mount, if you ask me, two, three weeks, three weeks ago, I would have said, um, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not having his form this season. You know, this. I'm, I'm not recognising him as a player. Of course, this last couple of weeks, we've seen Mason Mount uh, as good as he's ever been. Uh, so, yeah, he, he's, and, and I know Gareth absolutely loves him. So I think he's going to get, he's going to be in there. Um, but, we're going 3-4-3 three, three here, aren't we?
2: Yeah, so I just think with Mount, he can play almost as a 10 at times and maybe is that leaving yeah. it a little bit exposed in the middle? So it,
3: It's one of those, right? It's it's difficult because I, I love Bellingham. I, I, I really think he's, a, he, he's, he's something else. Um, but I, I just think if we're going to go 3-4-3, three, three, I think... Uh, we've got to be looking at Mason Mount just in because he's 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 got just that more experience at international level than, than than Bellingham um but i would expect again as the tournament goes on that Bellingham would would feature quite strongly for england because his engine his capacity uh, to cover the ground and he does a bit of everything extremely well uh and he's also you know for a young man he's he's um captain of Borussia Dortmund I and mean, we had something for for the kind of character of the lad.
2: Yeah, speaks really well to the media as well. I mean, you wouldn't think he was only sort of just out of his teenage years. Um, Rice is in the team, Tomo. It's a toss-up here between Mason Mount and Jude Bellingham by the looks of it. So,
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> with Declan Rice there, you know, I think he, he sees the danger. You know, he's, he's just fantastic for West Ham. Um, he just want, probably want one within there that can hit the box and add goals to his game like say we, Trevor made a great point then two or three weeks ago Mount he, he, he looked lost didn't he and all of a sudden now he's it form he's getting goals can he take that into the international on that sort of form that's what you're hoping but I must admit when I saw Bellingham last time in England he looks he looks. I take the inex- inexperience away I get that but he, he looks an accomplished athlete he looks good on the ball he's he's um, I thought he looked the part when I saw him for England, and there's not a lot between them. But like, I, I went for Declan Rice and Bellingham. Bellingham, let's say Declan's been there, proven, got that experience. He's one of those in the when you play him, you don't realise how good he is until he's not playing, and then you miss them sort of players. And I think with Bellingham, he, he, that little bit of you know, not that experienced, no fear. And like I say, he's, he's captain of Dortmund, which is some feet at his age. Mm. So that's why I went with Bellingham, but still not a lot in it. It's
2: my choice again, then. It's happened
0: again. <laughs> uh, I
2: chose White last time. I went with Trevor. So I'll go with you this time, Tomo. I think Bellingham is a, is a good shout. So midfield, Trippier, Rice, Bellingham and Shaw, which means we've got our front three to choose. We've got loads of wingers to pick from. Um, can we just get the striker out of the way first? We think it's going to be Abraham... Ivan, Tony, and probably Harry Kane—the three strikers going to the World Cup—are we all in agreement that Harry Kane's playing through the middle for England up front? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, he is, he is the captain at the end of the 100%. day, so Kane's locked in. So it's just the two wingers for us to decide then, and loads to choose from, as I say: Rashford, Sterling, Grealish, Sancho. Uh, Phil Foden, Bukayo Saka, and Jared Bowen—just some of the names I've written down. There's probably some I've missed as well. Um, if you look at some of these players, Trevor Rashford's in good form, uh, Grealish is looking better, uh, Phil Foden's been excellent, Saka's been good, Bowen's been good. I mean, this is probably the area in which Gareth Southgate's going to have the hardest decision to make. Oh, it's giving me a
3: headache. I tell you, you know, <laughs> looking at looking at what what this would actually mean on on, on the football field. Of course. You know, Raheem Sterling, uh still twenty seven year old, got a magnificent record for England, had a, had ter- a brilliant Euros, had a ter- yeah. terrific European championship. Um but he still he can still frustrate us, you know, when we're watching watching him for for Chelsea and you're seeing him or he hits the post yeah. again or he just misses. And you just think if there was that little bit more um I don't know, finesse or or, or composure with his finishing.
2: <laughs> it's he, funny. Look at the stats, Trevor. He's got over hundred Premier League goals. Can imagine, imagine how many he would have got. I feel like
3: every goal he scores, I'm going, oh, you know, five times,
0: right? Now we're going to say, come on, so, he can finish. He's got hundred goals. Exactly. <laughs> <know>. Yeah. Imagine <laughs> yeah. if he can finish,
3: he'd get two hundred. But I bet I'd like to see his ratio of, yeah. of chances, though. You know, and yeah. um, he could have been way up there, getting towards your, your rights and maybe nearer to a shearer. He's got that capacity. When you think of the goals he's got now at this age that he's got. Incredible amount. And I just think Raheem Sterling is to play him on the left. Just play him on play him on the left. You know, and I could I could go for it, you know, Grealish easily because I, I love Grealish as a footballer. But I think Sterling, because of his experience at this level, uh and he he brings that a huge amount of, um, of, of depth of of experience that I don't think you can ignore it, and he's not—he's at the right age, right? He's absolutely at the right age. On the other side, um, I, I'd go with uh, Phil Foden, although it could easily be Saka, right? But Phil Foden for me would be um would be the one that I play out on the right hand side. So Foden came through the middle, uh, and Raheem Sterling.
2: I've got Foden in my team either side for me really um, I think he's been playing off the left this season for City done really well at times Rashford the same Saka's more of a right-sided player but if we are going for Kane as our central player Tomo I mean who who are your two wide men?
0: Yeah well Terra made a good point you, you know you can make a case for because we've got some quality up there I went with Foderman and Rashford because the only reason I went for Rashford Rashford looks like he's enjoying his game now he, he's getting his goals he looks like he's enjoying it more. Last last season, you watched him and he, he looked like he had all the worries on his shoulder. You know, he was getting frustrated. His body language weren't good. And now when you see him now, he looks like he's enjoying it. You know, he's he's, he's getting his goals. He's got pace. You could play him on the right. You could play him on the left. You could say that about Foden. So that I, I went for Foden and Rashford on Harry Kane down the middle. Because, you know, Rashford cutting inside on his right foot on the left-hand side. They're always horrible to mark and play against. Foden... Your great left peg can see a pass, but you can make the cases for the other ones. And we we mentioned teams, you know, the teams now. This might change with with the, the different setups, the different scenarios that the World Cup brings to you. So that's what I'd go with: Rashford, Foden, and Kane.
2: Do you know what? I've gone for Rashford as well and it was close between him and Saka um, in those wide positions just purely because I think Rashford's in slightly better form than Saka and also the link up with Luke Shaw at left wing back. I don't think you can underestimate having two players who play at the same club and those two have a good understanding so uh, that's why I've chosen Rashford. So that completes our side 3-4-3 three, three, pickford in goal walker stones white trippier rice bellingham and shore across the middle and foden and rashford either side of harry kane sounds like a good team that
0: you not don't want w- the subs dale
2: <laughs> oh let's not let's not let's <laughs> the other yeah the other 44 players if you could lads if you could just oh, let yeah. me know what you I've think. wasted an hour <laughs> um of course england take on iran world cup group stage opener 21st of november not long to go now until that one and not long left to today's episode of the dugout either we've got one more thing to discuss and it's a certain cristiano ronaldo we'll speak about it after this
1: football's social daily find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk
0: think you know the brooks ghost think again
1: at LuckyLandSlots.com, available to players in the U.S. (excluding Washington and Michigan). No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18+ Terms and conditions apply. Footballs Social Daily. Find more great sport at Sport-Social.co.uk.
2: Welcome back. Final part of today's episode of the Dugout and midweek Manchester United dominated Tottenham Hotspur. They beat them 2-0, but in the 89th minute, the cameras panned to a certain Cristiano Ronaldo. For some, the greatest to ever play the game. He was walking down the tunnel as he wasn't picked again. He was uh, an unused substitute. His side were winning the match 2-0 and he actually ended up leaving Old Trafford before the match finished. Um, What sort of a message do you think that sends, Trevor? Because I can understand why... Some Manchester United fans are pretty annoyed with Cristiano Ronaldo after what they saw.
3: Yeah, you know, I, I don't like it. You know, one little bit, to be honest uh, with you. And that's not, nothing to do with having an old school attitude. Um, it's all about being together as, as a group of players. Um, and sometimes in this, over the last uh, few months, particularly, but, and last season, when you looked at the Manchester United subs bench, they looked as if they weren't that focused on what was going on on the field. They didn't seem as to me as if um, they were 100% behind what was happening with their team on the day to get a result. And it was all about really, oh, I've been left out, you know, you know whatever, whatever. And that has slowly disappeared under under ten hag there seems to be more engagement um with with the players actually wholeheartedly being in that battle with uh with the teammates out on the field and there's a rotation system now we know that it happens in football it's all part and parcel of it for ronaldo to do what he did i just I do, what was who was gaining from that?
2: Is it disrespectful to his teammates? I, I think so. I think it's disrespectful. I think Especially it's, when, Trevor, he scored his 700th goal um, yeah. a couple of weeks back and you've got him posing with the shirt in the dressing room with all of the squad happy mm-hmm. to put their arm around him and give him credit yeah. and give him respect I, but it I, didn't feel like there was respect coming the other way. Well, that's it and, and I
3: think what turned it was uh, Alanga coming on. When Alanga comes on for the last uh, period of the game And it's not Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, Obviously, Ternard wanted to maintain Rashford through the middle. uh, And you would see Ronaldo as being, perhaps, having to have a defensive responsibility also as a striker, if he played him out on the left-hand side. And that was probably the reasoning why he wanted someone who was just going to chase down and, and harry people, rather than looking for another goal in the game. So, there's, there was a football reason why Alanga came on and, and Ronaldo didn't, but Ronaldo's just taken that very narrow-mindedly, very selfishly uh, as a, a slur on himself, and I think that cannot be the only reason. Uh, and the act, the act of doing that, I thought was so—it's so public, it's—it's it's not going to be missed. And the fact that he grabs, goes into the dressing room, grabs his stuff, and hits the high road. It's, it's to me that just cements that is just not uh, a sustainable relationship, you can't have that. And people are not going to forget that one, you know. That the big talking point was the great Man United performance, and what is the majority of football talking about the talk about Cristiano Ronaldo and, and, and his actions? So, no, not, not having it at all. Um, what Ten Hard does from here, I don't know, it's up to him. Um, but Ronaldo's. Caused a caused a uh, euphoria, unnecessary euphoria where there shouldn't have been anything there. I mean, you know, he's not actually that seed has not dropped, you know, or that penny's not dropped
2: for him. Mm. Do you think? Do you think that's it now? Do you think that that is him? Leaving Manchester United at the next possible opportunity. We were talked. We were talked about it in the summer that he might move on. Didn't happen. Some people have said that Eric Ten Hag can't really pick him against Chelsea now because it kind of shows that he doesn't have control. What do you take out of that comment, Steve? Seeing as you're someone who's been in the thick of it as a as a manager and picking players and whatnot. So, what's the what's the mentality there? Is there a loss of control or
0: a? I felt I felt for Ten Hag last night because the first thing he got mentioned last night. What did you think of Cristiano going straight down the tunnel? And I thought he handled it brilliant. He said, "Look, he said we've had a great result tonight. We've got a tough game coming up Saturday. I'll deal with that tomorrow." And I thought he handled that absolutely brilliant because they were still trying to get something out of him. When 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 a player, Trevor's played with world class players. You know, if Cristiano Ronaldo does that in a dressing room. Is there enough characters in the United dressing room? Say, come on, no, you're better than that. We need you to be with us. You don't do that. I think he's 37. He's he's he's, he's got. Don't he's, get. He's a world class player. He still finishes. But there is games like say on the counter attack against City, and that you're not going to play him because he can't run the channels anymore like he can. But you know, he must look back at himself and think. Now he should have been that dressing room. It's it's the career that he's had now at the moment he's, he's, he's in the twilight of his career everyone was with him when he scored that goal he must think now when you're driving away I know you're disappointed I know you've not played but you think I should be in that dressing room with them lads we've had a great result I've disrespected the manager I should be with them lads because they're looking up to me and I, if I'm a player looking at Cristiano doing that I'm thinking you're better than that
2: and do you know what the reports are saying as well is that they didn't really notice he wasn't there. They were so wrapped up in the win, and the fact that they'd got an excellent performance out of themselves and beaten Tottenham two 0 The atmosphere was really good inside Old Trafford. They were more interested in celebrating with each other rather than worrying about where Cristiano Ronaldo was. And I think that that says a lot. I, I think,
3: I think Ronaldo, uh, you know, uh, thirty-seven year old. I think he is seeing uh, and he's been over overwhelmed by the fact that the sands of time are actually running out for him. And he sees every 90 minutes as some opportunity for him to increase his records uh, and and to keep that thrill of being the main man. And I think he's clouded now in his judgment as to what he should be uh, offering uh, as a player and and as a mentor. Because, you know, young guys, you know, you'll never get a Marcus Rashford behaving like that. You just, you just wouldn't, it just wouldn't happen. So, um you know, thankfully, they've got great pros who, who wouldn't be um uh, affected by something like, like that, Ronaldo. But, you know, he's all, this the mentorship also goes down to many, many levels all the way through Man United. And you've got to set high standards, you know, when you're the, the highest of standards. And Ronaldo, I just thought, let himself down. I mean, he was sat there on the, on the, On the bench with his earring in, you know, and to me, that's you're not prepped, you're not ready for the game. Wear your earring if you want, yeah, but keep it in the dressing room, you know. Just it just seemed it was all the wrong message, and he was upset he wasn't playing. And then it became all about him when Alanga came on, and and you know he he wouldn't have even known, I reckon, watching that game how well Man United done because he was so caught up in his own uh, self importance, I suppose, which is a bit it's a bit sad. I'd rather see him finish his career at Man United on a a real high, uh, contributing numerous goals and being a real leader. But unfortunately, it doesn't look like it's going to work like that.
2: How damaging can one character be in a dressing room without dropping any names or anything, Tomo? But you've been in a number of different types of dressing rooms over the years, both as a player and as a coach. So can it really cause problems, just one character making issues for others?
0: If if you're the staff member, like you say you you're a coach or a manager, and you see someone disrespecting the players or even the manager, because you know as a number two, you can you can look around the dressing room and you can see the ones that are doing snide comments, to see the ones that are totally not with you. And I think before it gets to the, the manager, or th- as a number two, what I used to do, I used to pull them in and just say, look, we can see what you're doing. If you don't want to be here, that's fine, but don't make him don't don't make it hard for everyone else. You know, you you're playing to stay or you're playing to get away. If you've got a good dressing room and I've got to be careful with my language here, if you've got some good experienced lads in there who, who were all together, I had it at Blackpool when it was me and Ollie, that we, when we went from the Championship to the Premiership, we had an honest bunch of lads who had the, the good thing about it, you didn't know who was in the team, how they trained, they all trained so hard and they had that togetherness, and if one of them stepped out of line, you'd get three, four, five of them saying, hey, come on, what are you doing? That's, that's a good dressing room. Can they de- it depends on how strong your dressing room is, because they can be disruptive. You know, and if you haven't got a, a strong manager or a strong number two, you know, they can make your life very difficult because they can ruin training sessions, booting the balls away, saying the odd comments. So, you know, you've got to be strong and fight fire with fire with them. But you know, you've you've got to sometimes flex your muscles to show who's your boss, send them in, leave them out. So there's different scenarios, different cases where you've got to show who's the boss. It's gonna be
3: interesting to see what, what Ten Hag does. Though isn't it with that with that situation you mentioned it now uh, and I think we're all kind of watching that watching that space to see see what selection looks like. <laughs> I think I, I don't think Ronaldo, to be honest, would be a, a first pick anyway for Ten Hag going to. Uh, going to Chelsea
2: yeah we will see the soap opera of the Premier League continues and it will do so right up until the World Cup four weeks to go and of course we'll be with you every single step of the way up to that point and indeed through the World Cup in Qatar so if you hit subscribe that way you won't miss an episode of this podcast new episodes every single day of the season no one else would do that for you Uh, my thanks to Steve Thompson and Trevor Stephen and thanks to you for listening in to this week's edition of The Dugout that's it from us and we'll speak to you again next time see you then